There's no tennis action, but guess what? Breakpoint Podcast is back. It's been a two-year hiatus, but Val Ferbo and Joel Ferrucci are here again to bring you everything you need to know about the world of tennis. And Val Febo here with you. Joel Ferrucci joins me. Um, we're not in the same room for the first time, but it's uh, and it's a very interesting time to be doing a podcast like this. But um, Joel, you joined me from your house. I'm in my house, and um, we're bringing bringing you the world of uh, of tennis. Yeah. Well, welcome to my house. Cheers. I haven't seen you in a while. Good to be back, though. It's been, yeah, I know. It's uh, been quite a while, yeah. but I'm looking at you on uh, on the wonderful world of FaceTime, and, um, you know, yeah. we still get to see each other. But, um, yeah, it's it's interesting times at the moment with, with everything going on. But how uh, how are you enjoying your isolation game? It's interesting, mate. Um, yeah, just looking for ways to sort of keep entertained. I'm actually, I'm playing Grand Theft Auto at the moment. I'm actually just about to uh, steal a helicopter from the army base. So, um, we don't condone yeah, anything um... that happens on Grand <laughs> Theft Auto on this show. Let's yeah, just put the disclaimer in. We're going to be on for 20 seconds in for the first time in two years and we're taking straight off. But, uh, <laughs> God. God, we're still as loose as ever I can see. But um, yeah, but how have um, how have you been sort of keeping up with tennis over this uh, COVID nineteen pandemic? Have you been watching any old matches, or have you been researching anything um, in the hopes that tennis does come back eventually? Well, I guess the great thing for us is, uh, as, as tennis fans is that um, you know you look at uh, tennis TV and, and those kind of accounts, and um, all the, the the slam accounts are rolling out some um some old content and um you know even even um obviously with the with the, the sunshine double what, what would have been just gone their accounts are posting some um you know some 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 classic stuff that we've seen and uh boy hasn't there been uh, a lot of that in the last sort of five or so years and, and even even before then so um look i mean we haven't really lacked nostalgic stuff to sort of fall back on and you know just kind of remind ourselves of you know, just um, just just what we've seen in mm-hmm. in the past, but uh, it really does sort of make you miss not only tennis but sport in general. And I, you know, I kind of just, you know, I, I'm sure I speak for everybody, and it goes probably goes without saying that you know we wish that um, you know, we could just be living life as normal. But um, you know, it is what it is, and uh, we're we're finding ways to, to deal with it. And it could be it could be worse. We could be in a worse position, but um, you know, we're gonna. We're going to chat some tennis and yep. uh, yeah, and uh, you know, fill ourselves with uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Some uh, um, I don't know, laughs or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but some a bit of positivity, I reckon. Yeah, is probably the one I'm going for. Yeah, yeah well, we hope so anyway. But um, I, I think you mentioned the sunshine double stuff, all the stuff that they're showing, and for for those who have listened to the show when we when we originally did it, um, know that I am a massive advocate for a man named Roger Federer, and um, that. <laughs> They've shown a lot of Roger Federer highlights over the past um, over the past few weeks from his um, run in 2017, winning both from his uh, win in 2019 as well. The U.S. Open's been showing a lot of. Um, they've done sort of a phantom winners. Uh, draft and I think they've got to a final two of Marit Safin's win in 2000 and Rafa's win in 2010. Um, you know, there's been the Australian Open just reloading a lot of classic matches. The 2017 final um, was up yesterday between Roger and Rafa. Um, Channel Nine's even doing it here in Australia, and you know all all the other Grand Slam accounts are doing it. But I think with all that nostalgia, with all the good stuff that we've been able to watch over the last week, I think we need to get to the point at hand, and that is that there actually is no tennis at the moment, and um, no, it's zero. it's a it's a I'll very it, I know exactly it's 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 a really difficult time to be a sports fan and someone that covers sport and um, looking at the lack of tour at the moment. We know that the rankings have been frozen. We know that, you know, a lot of things have have changed on the tour. And last week, Wimbledon was obviously cancelled, which is really disappointing to see. But 
What What's your take on all of the cancellations been? Um, starting off with Indian Wells and then moving even further. What did, what did you think initially and how Indian Wells handled it to what other tournaments have done? Yeah, well, it's interesting, Val, and I know you, you did a piece on this for the for, for the first serve when it first happened. And I think at the time, I think that's probably when people were really sort of not quite, I wouldn't say blasé about COVID-19, but I think people were kind of just starting to realise that it, it could be this big thing, as we've seen. Obviously, it's 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 now become, um, you know, a, a massive, massive, massive thing, Um you know, I think the, the, the word is pandemic, obviously, but um, you know, I think I think everybody is shocked by um, you know how far and wide this thing is spread. I think um, you know at, at the time I, I was with you at the time that um, you know perhaps uh, behind closed doors was the way to go, and obviously at, at that time, that's when I think sport uh, as a whole was probably really cottoning on um, to the situation, and um, you know a lot of sports around the world, whether it was tennis or soccer or even here at home AFL, um, were grappling with this idea of playing behind closed doors. And um, you know I think that's what we were talking about with Indian Wells. I think in hindsight, though, and hindsight's a wonderful thing. I think the right decision in hindsight was made um, because now we're seeing just how hard this thing has hit the yeah. US. I think at the time of recording, as we're speaking now, I think they've they've clicked over three hundred thousand cases. So. Yeah. It's a massive, massive issue um, in the US, and obviously, when we when we think about it, it's um, doing some simple maths here. I think it's about four times um, the rate of infection that we saw in China. Yep. The you know obviously the epicenter at the start. Um, I think in hindsight, it was the right decision to cancel Indian Wells, but I think an important point that we have to make, an important distinction, is the decision itself yep. and the way it was done. I think yep. the decision was the right one but the way it was done maybe could potentially uh use some work looking back i think given that everyone had started to congregate all the players and this is a point that you highlighted i know especially the the lower ranked players it takes them a bit to get there flights hotels um a lot of money and their their paychecks aren't their paychecks aren't big when yeah, you know exactly. if they're losing in first round of qualifying or first you know first round of the tournament the paychecks aren't as big as what the players get if they win the title and i think yeah. that the lateness of the decision obviously impacts a lot of those players financially and what they should have done i think they should have played the tournament behind closed doors and then cancelled the tours from then on um, knowing what we'll obviously knowing what we know now, but Miami cancelled a week later, and then the ATP and WTA tours made a joint statement saying that they'd be banned until all the tours would uh, recommence on the eighth of June, and obviously that's changed in the last week. But before yeah. we do get to Wimbledon and before we chat about the rest of it, the French Open oh, is yeah. now we've <laughs> on this show we've criticised the French Open for a lot of things, their lack of a yep. roof, which they have now, they've got one on Court Philippe Chatrier, but... And I can't even use it. And Well... <laughs> for now, anyway. For now. That, and what they've done, Bernard Giudicelli, the president of the FFT, the French, or the... Uh, I don't, I can't remember what the acronym was for. I researched that last week, but I can't remember the acronym. Let's go FFT. But he's essentially said, you know what? We're just going to move our dates. We're not con- going to consult anyone. We're going to move the dates the week after the US Open. So we're going to have the US Open a week later. A week will pass. Everyone will come from New York to Paris. And yeah. we're going to put the French Open there. In the middle week of the French Open, the Labor Cup is on. 
which is jointly owned by about seven corporations, including the ATP. Tennis Australia is a partner. The USTA are also a partner. Um, a lot of stakeholders. Yeah, a lot. There's heaps of stakeholders, and it includes like the Labor Cup matches actually go towards the ATP head-to-heads with um with other players. So it's pretty it's pretty important. Roger Federer's um business they own it as well. They're one of the part owners. Federer has already indicated that he's, he'll participate in the tournament. And that's what I find really... I find it an immature decision because there was no consultation with the players. Naomi Osaka, who's a Grand Slam champion, a two-time Grand Slam champion, took to Twitter saying, excuse moi, and Vasek Bospisil <laughs> has since come out a few times and slammed the ITF for allowing it to happen and the FFT for doing it in the first place. Because if Wimbledon can cancel... Surely now the French Open can cancel as well. And the ATP has has threatened the French Open, saying, if you don't cancel the tournament this year, we're going to strip all ranking points designated to the event in 2020 and 2021. So, look, there's a lot of issues there for um, for the French Open to get over. And they've got their elections um, for their presidency of the organisation next year. And there's uh, Dirk Hordorf, who's the vice president of tennis in Germany, has said that, um, that Judicelli has done this to get the ITF on side and to win the election, saying that he's going to fix the problem of having the French Open in 2020 under the COVID-19 pandemic. I, on the other hand, think that he should be resigning because what he's done is one of the most disgraceful decisions in tennis history. Well, I think the word that comes to mind for me is probably arrogance. Um, oh, 100%. Yeah, and it comes back to this idea of even with, with Indian Wells, when we were talking about what's going to happen with Indian Wells, can you... Um, can you reschedule some of these tournaments? The reality of, of tennis is that the calendar is just so congested that yep. it's so hard to do that that it makes it almost impossible, not to mention the jump from one swing to another. Um, and I guess the just the, the sheer speed that the players would have had to have done with, with this if, if, um, if the French Open was to be moved um, to that time of year. Um, there's so, five. Yeah, there's I mean, five tournaments affected. Exactly. There's five tournaments Incl- affected, and and then add the Labor Cup as well. So that's six. Yeah. Yeah. So six tournaments, and I mean, of course, if if we look at them all, you know, as they are on their own merits, you probably have to say that if push came to shove, then you know the Grand Slams probably have to take uh, precedence based on you know a sort of order of importance type hierarchy. But um, you know, who, who's who's to say that any any one tournament. Um, you know, is more important than than another because I mean, there's uh, so many different, uh, I guess, points of view and people involved with these things. Um, you know, the two fifties mean something to the the cities that they're that they're playing, yeah. the federations that are behind them. Yeah, um, but they also mean money to the ATP. Like the ATP yeah. still makes a little bit of revenue. Off, not to mention the money behind it, yeah. Yeah, off these tournaments. And, you know, the mm. tournaments do have to go get their own sponsorship. But the ATP still makes money off it. These tournaments make money off it. The tournament directors, the employees, the volunteers, mm. you know, it's, yeah. there's a there's a flow-on effect of people that this affects. And, you know, it's it was purely arrogant. You're 100% right. But th- I think it's changed now because Wimbledon has cancelled. Wimbledon yeah. is the most prestigious Grand Slam. I don't care what anybody says. We're Australians. We love the Australian Open, but Wimbledon is, is still yeah. it's Wimbledon. It is, and when you get when you get, I think I think what does it with Wimbledon? What's so powerful about it is the is the tradition behind it. Yep. I mean, it's been we haven't seen Wimbledon cancelled since what World War Two. Yeah, um, 
you know, so I think I think that's that's really when you when we all need to wake up and say, okay, you know, there's we're, we're, normality's probably not coming back for a while, certainly in terms of in terms of the tennis calendar. No, it's it's not. And look, the USTA has released a statement saying that the US Open is still planning to go ahead as scheduled. That that there's no change of the date or no change of that stance yet, but. The US, the Billie Jean King Tennis Center in Flushing Meadows is being used as a temporary hospital for COVID nineteen at the moment because New York yeah. has been so heavily affected. So the key with them, I think, is to maintain their transparency and do what the French Open didn't do, um, because the Lawn Tennis Associate, the Lawn Tennis Association, and the All England Lawn Tennis Club were brilliant. They cons- they consulted with the ATP. The WTF, the ITF, uh, WTA, the ITF, yeah. um, and all of the other independent bodies, Tennis Australia, the USTA, um, everyone, so that they could prepare their own statements. And within an hour of the decision coming out, the ATP and WTA already have statements out there from both of their CEOs. So uh, I think they're, they're, that's the way to do it. And they're already releasing a fund for the volunteers and people that would have been affected so that they can assist the people that would have been working at that time. And they've also, I've read during the week, they have pen, a pandemic insurance, which I didn't know existed. So I did apparently, I. from what I've read, I need to do a bit more research on it, but from what I've read, that Wimbledon actually won't lose any money because oh. they've got insurance here. So I need to, I'm going to Google well. this as we speak. Um, to make sure that this is um, this is actually true, but I did read it on and look. There's a lot of BS on Twitter. We know that, um, but yeah, I th- if if that's the case, why hasn't anyone else done this? <laughs> that is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. So here Never we go. <laughs> Wimbledon cancellation. That. This is a business uh, insurance business mag in the UK. Uh, has has its risk and finance subcommittee to thank that the Grand Slam grass court event is insured against the li- likes of the coronavirus pandemic. We're in fo- we're fortunate to have uh, the insurance, and it helps. The Guardian quoted the All England Lawn Tennis Club chief executive Richard Lewis. The insurers, the brokers, and everyone involved have been excellent to work with so far, but there's still a lot of work to do. So it's around uh, describe the policy costs as around the low seven figures, but. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's a subcommittee that assesses the possible disruptions, such as the UK going through the period of national mourning in the event of the Queen's passing. Jeez. So this wow. obviously is uh, kind of a national mourning because it's spreading all over the world. Yeah. But how unbelievable is that, that they've actually gone out, got pandemic insurance, <laughs> and they're fine. Like, they're paying, obviously, the, there'd be a large excess and seven figures, but... That's that's amazing. Oh, that that is incredible, though. I think it's fair to say that uh, when this is all over, they'll be uh, having a lot of pims and uh, some strawberries and cream. Yeah. Um, kind of reminds me of um, where where for any listeners that don't know, Val and I both watch a lot of Family Guy, um, and um, uh, of course Peter Griffin goes out and gets himself what volcano insurance and cloud insurance. And yeah. It seems like seems like something you wouldn't need in a million years because I don't think we ever would have expected something like this. But jeez. Oh. <laughs> Fair to say they're having the last laugh now. Oh, in the clouds, we attack tomorrow. Oh, what a, what a wonderful what a wonderful creation that show is. But um, no, you, but it would seem like that there's something that you know you'd need when obviously the queen passes away, and hopefully that doesn't happen for a long time. But um, you know, it's 
it's just what a stroke of genius by their brokers and insurance workers <laughs> to actually get that done and and make sure that they don't lose money. And look, oh, yeah. and yeah, it's it's unbelievable. But look, I don't think that there'd be pandemic insurance in many places. I'm not sure no. how other governments and how other operations work. But yeah, it's it's genuinely phenomenal. But the All England Lawn Tennis Club have handled things perfectly. French Tennis Federation have not handled things perfectly. The USTA must handle things perfectly because if the US Open doesn't go ahead, uh, would you say that there's a case for no tennis to go ahead for the rest of the year? Well, I think so. I mean, if we look at things holistically, I mean, what what tournaments have gone ahead? We've had we've had the Australian Summer, we've had the ATP Cup, we've had some Davis Cup. Yeah. Um, we had some Fed Cup as well. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Um, no, Fed Cup actually got postponed. There you go. So Fed Cup got postponed. So we've had what two, pretty much two months of tennis, really, yeah. for the year. Rankings are frozen. Mm. Um, when you play one of three Grand Slams, I mean that's one of four could be one of yeah one of one of four Grand Slams. Even jeez, um, <laughs> some great maths there, Mathlete. Um, one of four, one of four Grand Slams. Um, I mean that's seventy five percent of the season gone. So I mean, mm. can you even really call it a season? Not really, um, no. Yeah, not not really. Um, I mean, I guess then you have to ask the question, if it gets to a point where um, this thing, we get to a point where we, we, we flatten the curve enough, I suppose, universally um, from country to country, whereby we can sort of start to ease into life as per normal. Um, but we, I guess, potentially we don't want to overdo things, so we don't want to allow things like mass gatherings just yeah. yet. Um, I guess you have to ask the question, what does that mean for the players? How can they then keep themselves in good condition? I guess they're probably already asking themselves these questions mm. and the co- no doubt the coaches and the fitness staff are really earning their money at the moment. But, um, you know, I guess if it gets to that point, I'm, I'm sure some players will ask, you know, like, why can't we play or, or whatnot? So I think it's going to be interesting if we do get to that point, um, how that hopefully we get to that point how how the players can kind of maximize that situation and almost channel things into like you know almost like a mini pre-season yeah. so the cherry ripe for 2021 but mm. um, yeah look it's going to be interesting um you know i certainly hope we get to a point where some kind of normality returns um but i think it, for me it's hard to see a point where even if some tournaments can go ahead um that a whole lot of fans are going to be allowed in. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think we're going to get to that point. No, nah, neither. Oh, look, I don't think the US Open is going ahead this year, and I think that there's also a case. And you're you're right. The the players don't really know what they're going to be doing at the end of the year, but it's it's at a point where some of them will need to get part time work because a full time yeah, tennis player for them for the that, players yeah. ranked in the five hundreds. How the hell are they going to be able to s- sustain a living at all? Yeah, so absolutely. they need yeah. to be getting part-time work, you know, training at the same time. But this is a difficult year for them, and they're the ones that I really feel sorry for. The top players are self-sufficient. They're fine. They've got their tax haven in Monaco. They've got their sponsorship deals. They'll lose a bit of money, but they're not really affected. It's the players that are ranked, you know, beyond 150 in the world that I feel yeah. sorry for and that are going to struggle a little bit here. And, you know, it's not going to be easy for them, but fingers crossed that they can come out of this on the other side. And the other question is now... With the rankings being frozen, I don't think statistics now matter. I think the 2020 season has in tennis, I don't know about like footy or AFL or the EPL, soccer, could be anything. 
But for tennis, an asterisk needs to be put on the 2020 season. I don't think whoever ends up as world number one this year gets their year-end world number one statistic. I don't think anybody should get weeks at world number one for what's happened because the rankings are frozen, especially on the men's side. Um, Djokovic had a poor sunshine double last year, but so did Nadal. And Nadal didn't have a very good start to the clay court season either. So he could have gained points. Djokovic also could have gained points, but Nadal could have got the ranking back. So you just don't know. And Ash Barty won in Miami last year. She's got points to defend heading into the French Open. Who's to say that she was going to do that? So I don't think they should be getting just three weeks at world number one. And if Roger Federer is allowed to stay in the top four when the guy had knee surgery and was going to miss four months... What timing for Roger? I know. It's just... It is unbelievable. And when the Olympics are postponed, I just think this year... Look... I don't think that the US Open will go ahead and I reckon at the end of the year and all the points from the tournaments that were played in 2019 just need to carry over into 2021. It's, that's the only reasonable solution that, that I can come up with. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I think um, important distinction we should make is that what has happened, I think, can can stand perfectly. So Novak yeah. gets, his, gets his Australian Open. Yeah, um, he gets his points, get gets the tournament. Yeah. Or we can take it away and give Roger an extra buffer. <laughs> I, knew I know, I know, I know. We can't. And Ryan, listening, Ryan Tennyson, who is a former host yeah. on the show, uh, probably wouldn't enjoy that comment. But he's not here, so I can say it. <laughs> Some good banter between you two. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think yeah, Novak, uh, Novak gets his gets his Australian Open. Sophia Kennan gets her Grand Slam. Um, Serbia get their ATP Cup. All yeah. those things, I think, they stand a hundred percent, no problem. Um, but yeah, when I mean when when we're talking year end world number one, um, you know, when there's when there's no year end finals, there's only one Grand Slam. Um, you know, I yeah. think I think really I think there's almost no debate to be had. I think there's really only one way to answer the question. To be honest, I mean, um, you know, I'd be I'd be fascinated to see what what the what the counter argument is. I mean, it's it's not really a season. We've played no. one month, so <laughs> I mean, there's there's really no sort of counter argument here. I don't think. No, there's, there's absolutely nothing. And, and it, it begs into the question, um, Federer and Serena. So one question for me is, or well, I've got two, but is, <laughs> is, Roger, is Roger safe? Is his record safe? He's one ahead of Nadal, no French Open this year, surely. I doubt they're going to go ahead. And has Serena won her last slam? I'll let you answer it first. Yeah, interesting. Um Serena, I think, probably has won her last slam, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and, oh, you'll have to remind me of the other question. What is Roger's record safe? <laughs> is his record safe, yeah. Um, yeah, well, look, I think the answer has to be no, still. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I still, even, 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 with, even with the year as it is, that's not really a year. Um, I think you'd have to. I look at, I look at Novak in particular, and I still see a guy with a hell of a lot to give. Mm. Um, and I, I can see him surpassing Roger. Mm. Um, as I'm a bit like you, I'm a bit of a Fed sympathizer, so I, I, I hope not. Yeah. But I can most people because, share that sentiment. <laughs> yeah, and because I mean the guy, man, the guy is just a machine. He's yeah. he's a freak. He, he's um, his court coverage and just that ability. It's the same things that we just constantly rave about with the guy. His, his fitness, his stamina, court yep. coverage, ability to turn defense into offense. Yep. 
incredible. Um, and I, I really can't see that tra- uh, changing on the other side of this thing, I think. But having he... said that, he's going to be 33 next year. Yeah, so, he will be. Um, so the, and the young guys have to come up eventually. And that's, they do. that's the question with me. So I think Rogers' record's actually safe because Novak still has to win three more. That's I, can a... see, I can see that happening, though. I, I still well, see four more to surpass really... him. Yeah, I still I still see a guy that's really at the peak of his powers. And, um, you yeah, know, obviously he's had the injury mm. um, and he's, he's overcome it. And, yeah. uh, you know, we spoke about that ad nauseum as well. Yeah. And, you know, we actually spoke then about can he come back from this and, um, and, and recapture his best. And yeah. I remember myself, I, I said no. So did I. I, I, never yeah. thought, I never thought he'd get to where... He he's come to. I thought twenty eighteen yeah. Wimbledon just came out of nowhere, really. Yeah, and you know what else, though, Val? I actually think that not only has he got back to his best, I actually think he surpassed his best. I think he's set himself a new bar. Um, really? I've yeah, I, I really have. The last sort of year and a bit um, is is probably. I mean, some of the tennis that Novak has played is probably the best I think I've ever seen from him. Um, and even though you'd think. That the way that he plays, he plays a really wear and tear style of tennis. Mm. You have to think that it's going to take a toll on him, particularly with how good he's been yeah. on hard court. But um, you know, I just I watched I, you know, watching the guy at the Australian Open. Um, I just saw a guy that just still has just so much left in him. Mm. Um, he's just he's just proven proven us wrong time and time again, particularly yeah. when we question his body. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of just at the point now where you, you just can't really doubt the guy. I think we just have to believe that he's still yeah. got a lot of tennis uh, mm. left to give. And um, yeah, um, if 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 he can win a few more Grand Slams, I think he can. Um, but um, I guess we'll see. But uh, yeah, the, um, you know, there's a bit of uncertainty to come in the next few months. It's, yeah. It's going to probably have an impact on a lot of players, but I, I, I think don't so think too. that could be one of those. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've got. I don't. I don't think Serena's going to win another one. And just to echo the question from before, but I. Yeah. I honestly think that Roger's record is safe. I do think. I. I reckon Nadal might equal it, but I don't think Djokovic is getting there. I've got. I've just I got think this. Rafa is less likely. Yeah, but and look, the, but I've, we've been saying that about Rafa for so long that the French is the only one. Yet he keeps winning the U.S. Open as well and making Wimbledon <laughs> semi-finals. But I reckon I still think if Roger plays it the way he has been on grass, I still think he's got another Wimbledon title left in him. Depends on what happens next year because we've got a whole another yeah. year. You get older, you get slower. That's just fact. It just. You know, even for Roger Federer, who's going strong, he's going to be thirty. He's going to be nearly forty by the time Wimbledon comes around next year. So yeah. that's that's the worry. But the way that Djokovic that he played Djokovic at Wimbledon last year should have beaten him. And I, I don't want to bring this up ever again on the show, but <laughs> he smashed Djokovic in the World Tour Finals um, round robin last year. He destroyed him. The Australian Open this year, it was straight sets to Djokovic, but. Federer was on one leg and should have won the first set quite easily. Who knows yeah. what would have happened after that. Federer was on one leg, though. Team should have beaten Djokovic. Djokovic just finds that way to win. But mm. I think there's going to be some players that come back from this, like Medvedev, like Tsitsipas, like Zverev. Um, you know, Delpo might come back from injury. I think Delpo's Hopefully, slam winning yeah. days are done. But, you know, there's players that are there now 
that can challenge for slams. Zverev impressed the hell out of me at the Australian Open. He really did, and so yeah. did Team. Team can make it in the big time now. I think he's got the belief now that if the French Open were to go ahead this year, I think he believes that he can win it. But I, re- I reckon Dominic Team is your next new Grand Slam winner followed by probably Medvedev or Zverev. So who knows what's going to happen when the next slam does roll around, and that could be the US Open this year. It could be the Australian Open next year. But, yeah, it's um, it's um, there's a lot to think about in terms of records and, you know, whether, you know, who's going to... Is Sophia Kennan going to be that one slam wonder? You never know. The women's the women's game is something that we haven't really spoken about much. and It's so unpredictable, yeah. Kim Clijsters makes her comeback, and then all of a sudden, a month in, she... <laughs> She gets delayed, so yeah, haven't, yes. haven't really had to see much of her, which is disappointing. But, you know, what happens to the women's side as well? Sophia Kennan's on such a roll, and so many other players are on a roll, and, you know, their season's been derailed um, yeah. too. So it's it's really disappointing. And Ash Barty, especially from an Australian point of view, at world number one, we wanted to see what she could do to back up in 2020, and we haven't really been able to. Semis at the Australian, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think... Um... Someone obviously, obviously, Ash is, um, you know, someone that I think we we all feel for because we really wanted to see her go back into those tournaments that she did so well in and really consolidate. Um, someone that I that I really feel for is Gabina Muguruza. Mm. Um, you know, she's come, I, I suppose, back sort of out of obscurity. We know, we already knew what she could do. I mean, there's no question about that. Um, but obviously, makes the Australian Open final, had her chances. Um, I think that that game where she was love forty up. Um, yeah. in the third set and, and got overrun by a very, very brave Sophia yeah. Cannon. Probably still is haunting her. Um, but I think I think for her going into the what would have been the French Open, um, you know, I think well, she really Well, that's the first slam she won. Yeah, exactly. I think she really could have consolidated there. So I, I do feel sorry for her in that sense because she was just kind of starting to really mm. emerge from, um, you know, that kind of realm of, of, of nothingness that she had been stuck in for a little bit um, and, and was slowly starting to come out of that and, and, and um, was approaching a tournament that she's won before, made, made the Australian Open final, um, and then poof, it's gone. Exactly. And, well, even Simona Hallett, she was playing some awesome tennis. So And she Hallett was, in the yeah. French Open, that's her strongest slam, and she won Wimbledon last year. So hard court is neutral. She's good on that. She's made the Oz Open final before, should have won it in 2018 against Wozniacki, which, again, you picked, didn't you? You did I say did she'd that. win a slam. So. No one's ever going to forget that I picked that. No, I look, I certainly <laughs> I certainly have it. It's been two years, and I still haven't forgotten. So that's that's how well you sit with me. But, um, yeah, I, look, I feel sorry for Halep as well. I feel sorry for all of, you know... You feel sorry for them in a way that they can't do their profession. And, look, they're more well looked after than what we are in, you know, in our lives. And, you know, they've got the money. But, you know, it's that's their livelihood that they're losing. And I think we still shouldn't... We shouldn't say that we don't feel sorry for them because all the people that have lost their livelihoods in this situation, it's its not, yeah. a, it's not a good thing. And this has been... I think this has taught the world a lot. Um, it's been its been bloody horrible, hasn't it? Expect the unexpected. Yeah, it exactly. has been terrible. It, yeah. What I'm interested is what I'm interested in a bit as well, Val, from a, a tennis point of view, um, and we've spoken about it a bit. But the sort of the uh, the, the aging stars, um, I'm sure a lot of them will, will be really eager to kind of finish their career, you know, playing. 
Um, yeah. Eli, it's, Evo it's, Karlovich is never retiring, by the way. No. Yeah, he's never retired. Never. Dr. Evo. No. Um, he's, probably, he's probably, like, injected himself with, like, some uh, anti-aging serum or something. That's, uh, you know, I don't know, just, but the guy, just, the guy <laughs> just does not stop. You know, he's made the second round of the Australian Open, and um, he's still... He tweeted um, a couple of weeks ago, or, like, a couple of months ago, he's like, oh, social distancing? I've been practicing that for years because no one ever wants to practice with him because he's got such <laughs> a big serve. Yeah. And he's just he's still putting away just bombs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even um, you know guys like Doctor Evo and um, even someone like Venus Williams. Mm. Um, you know, I don't think we can we can forget Venus. She's you know certainly in the twilight of, of her career, and you know I think I think the question comes up every at the start of every season just how long she has left. Yeah. Obviously, we, we've spoken about Serena already, but how long Venus has left? Mm. Uh, well, she's defied th- she's defied everything Venus in yeah, terms has, of yeah. in terms of what she's been able to do. She had so many health problems early uh, like yeah. sort of early on last decade and you know she's still going and credit to her. She's been a wonderful player. Look, she's starting to dip in form, but you know, if she's got yeah. the if she's got the hunger to do it, why retire? Because you know, retirement's mm. a long long time. Well, well that's it. I mean, I look I certainly think the end is near for her, but it's up to it is up to her, but mm. I think you know if she does choose that way um, and even someone like Sam Stoza, to be honest. Mm. Um, well, know, she, I think, I think she was nearing nearing the end anyway. So yeah. I think, look, yeah. singles we can probably forget about, but doubles I think is the one for her that she can continue to play and play well. Yeah, I think I still I think she still has a lot of value in doubles. Mm. Um, you know, certainly when it comes to when it comes to the Fed Cup. Um, you know, at, I suppose I'll use the term we Australia have such mm. a strong Fed Cup team at the moment. Yeah. Um, and there's there's quite a bit of depth there, and I think um, you know obviously. Um, team tennis um, doubles can make all the difference it can be the difference between winning and losing so yeah. you, you need you really need kind of one double specialist um, 100% and, you know, as, as we, we've seen it you know we, we see it right throughout the doubles tour guys guys like the Ramrod Rajiv Ram um, oh what a man he's, he's not, wins his first yeah, slam man, he's he's not young but he's he's still Rajiv and you probably call him a double specialist even a guy like Ivan Dodig yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of there's a the Bryans. They're 41. They're in the there. Well, yeah. well. This was their last year. The U.S. Open was going to be their last yeah. tournament together, and it I, doesn't. I hope they, they persevere into next next season. Yeah, next I year. hope so too. They need a proper send off. They're the Bryan brothers, for God's sake, the most successful yeah. doubles team in history. So, yeah, fingers crossed that you know we do get some closure for a lot of players because the ones that are near the end, you know, it's obviously not going to be. It's not an easy time for them, but. You know, it's 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 unfortunately something that is out of a lot of people's control, and yeah, know, it and, is. you know, it's just it's really disappointing that it has come to this because someone allegedly ate a bat. But you know, this, let's uh, not go there. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not because I will get angry. Um, but yeah, look, fingers crossed that we do get some tennis t- soon. But we'll still be around to update everybody on the the happenings of the tennis world and what what's going on behind the scenes and. Um, hopefully we'll get some players' perspectives as well. Um, you know, as we kick off the podcast uh, Breakpoint 2.0, um, but you can still listen to all of our episodes, all of our previous episodes, going back a long way on our Wushka page, and you can also follow us at Breakpoint Pod on Twitter, on Instagram as well, and like us on Facebook. We've got all the socials up there, and um, we're going to keep continuing on with that as well. Joel Frucci, it has been an absolute pleasure to sit alongside you or sit looking at you from my bedroom to yours um, talking about tennis again and fingers crossed that um, we do get some good news in the future and uh, stay safe. Yes, Val, it's been great to have you and your marvellous facial hair on FaceTime. Uh, but yeah, good to be You've back. You've got a bit um, now yourself, actually. 
I do. I need to get rid of it. It's horrible. Um, but um, yeah, no, look, good to be back again. We, we keep saying a uh, bit of a shame about the circumstances. We want to talk about actual tennis, but you know, got to got to got to start again somewhere. But um, yeah, fingers crossed. We'll have um, some uh, some some good news to chat about in the coming weeks and months. I agree. Fingers crossed. But this has been very fun to get back on the Breakpoint podcast. Uh, Joel Frucci, thank you very much again. And uh, this has been Val Febo and Joel Frucci talking all things tennis. We'll be back and we'll join you soon.